This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. That fist was right in my face and went BAM! And it was like white for a second. And then I looked at her and then another fist. Bam! Right in my face. She socked you? She socked me right in my face. Right outside of taste. And then I looked at her. I was like, what? Stop hitting me. And she went, bah, 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 bah. And I had to grab her hand finally. Uh-huh. And I'm holding both her wrists. In five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. We What's have up? one of our favorite guests, Ed Park VP here today. What's up? Cheers. Cheers. Uh, you guys want to hear something fucking funny? <laughs> so... <laughs> So, uh, in this uh, office space that I rent out, the door that I have actually automatically locks. I have locked myself out of this office maybe about three times now. Twice with me. No. Twice with Ed now. <laughs> <laughs> so, we fucking locked ourselves out of this office. And this happens every time, like, I'm in mid-conversation. I'm not really thinking. We've both locked both of our car keys inside. <laughs> so, even if we wanted to leave, we couldn't. And so oh, I've done this gosh. multiple times. And the last time I did this, I actually had to leave my car here um, in the office area for fucking three days and hope my car didn't get stolen. Yeah. <laughs> which it didn't. And then for some reason today, I was like, why don't I just call a fucking locksmith? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the so, three times I've done, I never thought about calling so a locksmith. Today, yeah, locksmith came and saved the day. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we were waiting now for like 40 minutes listening to uh, Clubhouse. Yeah, Clubhouse Dude. chats. <laughs> I, I got to let you go. Okay. We got to talk about this. Okay. okay. So if you guys don't know what Clubhouse is, Clubhouse is like this hot new, I wouldn't know if you even call it social media thing, right? So the way Clubhouse mm-hmm. was sold to me was that it's a great way for people to network, to either gain knowledge, get jobs or whatever, meet people who are important. Right. So I went on a Clubhouse once and the, and the one experience that I had, it was great. I was, it was just a conversation with my buddy Freesia, this other guy named Sam, I believe, um, uh, Danny Chung. And my buddy Khalif. And we were just, you know, chopping it up, having great conversation. It was like honestly having a podcast with like five people. Yeah. Um, and Clubhouse, you are invited through invites only. So they kind of make it exclusive. I think that's like a, a really good marketing tool for it. Right. Um, so I happened to hop onto a, a Clubhouse chat room with a couple of people. Like, this, first of all, it's just, <laughs> if you guys know who King Los is, King Los is like one of my favorite rappers. On Clubhouse, the topic was about how just because something is written long ago, it doesn't mean that the information is true. The reason why that came up is because King Los was talking about what he reads. He only reads stuff that are hieroglyphs. Because <laughs> we, we tuned in. He goes, I don't read. I don't read. 
And people are like, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean you don't read? He's like, I don't read words. I don't, he says, he goes, I, he says, I don't read anything that's man-made. And then as he say, he goes, I don't fuck with anything that's man-made. As he's on an app, on a phone that's made. Broadcasting your voice to millions. Millions of people on something that's man-made. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, is this guy a troll? Because I know he does trolly shit, but he was actually serious in this conversation. <laughs> and so to that, somebody said that empirical, he goes, well, you can't say that just because you read something from long ago, that that's considered empirical evidence just because it's dated, right? <laughs> something from the past doesn't mean that it shows truth in the future right there is right there is no direct correlation that she was completely right which is just common sense yeah. right and he's arguing against it by the way and she goes this is what she says she goes empirical evidence requires information to be concrete and to that <laughs> somebody said i shit you fucking not in anger hieroglyphs are literally written in stone so it's concrete <laughs> I mean, you're, it's like technically, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody else says right after that, facts. facts. <laughs> Yo, celebrities are some of the dumbest fucking people on earth, dude. This is what I'm talking about. Just because you have a platform doesn't mean you should speak. These are all lessons that we can learn in critical thinking and <laughs> deconstruction of confirmation bias is just well, that. this is what they, you know and people argue about the stuff too they go well you know well you think it's because he's a rapper he's not smart no i don't think he's smart because he said stupid shit <laughs> the man literally said that because he reads things that's that predates something that's written on paper that what he read back in the day yeah. is more truthful than stuff that is written on yeah. more current type of um stationary yeah <laughs> That that is the requirement for something that's truthful. Nothing past papyrus. <laughs> Nothing past papyrus. Hey, if that shit was written past papyrus, it's it. dude. You know what the funniest shit was? The part that made me die laughing. There's one person that's very reasonable in there because when he was talking about he doesn't read anything that's man made and he only reads hieroglyphs. Yeah. Somebody said, but somebody had to write those hieroglyphs. <laughs> Somebody wrote that. <laughs> Somebody wrote those hieroglyphs. Those yeah. were man-made. And everybody ignored the most reasonable person in the room. Oh. <laughs> I was like, is this? Is he fucking trolling everybody in this room? It's just like, okay, I guess the, I guess that's, well, what's the clubhouse? Clubhouse. Yeah, I guess that's what clubhouse is. Then. You guys have, if it's, you guys ever go on clubhouse, this is the one thing I want to I warn you guys about. Clubhouse just because these people write stuff that they do, it doesn't mean that they're an expert in that topic or subject. <laughs> Let me give you a great example, right? I, you Before you go on to Clubhouse and you get that invite, right? They ask you what your interests are. It's much like Pinterest. Right. So based on your interests, they'll suggest certain groups, right? So obviously my stuff is finance, business, and whatever, right? Not, that's stuff that I'm somewhat interested to, hip-hop, music, whatever. Right. So one that popped up was uh, how to grow a successful business and make millions. Mm -hmm. I'm like, cool. So who are these people? I go in there. It's these people who own like one or two nail shops, right. a liquor store here. And there. None of them are millionaires. Not, and listen, I'm not shitting on the small business. I come yeah. from a small business. I have small businesses. But in order for you to give advice to people about how to make seven figures, you have to make Makes seven, seven figures. <laughs> what the fuck are you guys talking about? It's, it's the adult version of dumb teens, of dumb right. teen talk, right? 
It's like these people are just fucking bullshitting each other the whole right. time. And there was a subject about how to use social media for your business and stuff. And I'm in social media and yeah. I use it for my businesses. And I actually have proof that You're this stuff works. I'm right in a, I know. <laughs> All their information was wrong. It yeah. was completely wrong. And I went to go look at some of these people's names and their businesses. And their influencer page, it's some of the worst stuff I've ever seen. The worst interactions, the worst conversion, everything that you could see that's something that you shouldn't do for a business. They had it. And they were giving a seminar about how to use social media to make money and grow a seven-figure business when they didn't have any of it. Man, so Clubhouse is, uh, I mean, it's new, but it's just unregulated conference tables and like where anyone could say. It's live Twitter. Minute. Live Twitter. It's live Twitter. Hmm. It's a bunch of people who think they're, and by, by the way, there are actually really great ones. Yeah, um, right. You just have to find them. Right. But when you go into Clubhouse and people tell you it's great for networking, be careful about the information that you're receiving. You can't think that these everybody in there is a fucking Gary Vee. They're, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> it's people who want to sound smart or they're complaining and griping about some type of social injustice, right? Right. Which, hey, that's fine too. But at a certain point, it just sounds like a bunch of fucking whining to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. This is like the great intro that I gave him the clubhouse. I was yeah. like, yeah, it could be great. It could, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just kind of lurk around for now. <laughs> if you guys want to let, bro, yo, I will say this though. There are some fucking but there's there was a clubhouse that I looked into that Khalif showed me and we were dying laughing. It was called like triple X booty clapping or something. Okay. And literally <laughs> it's just somebody clapping ass. <laughs> literally just. <laughs> and somebody else hops in and they're talking dirty. It's like these strippers that opened up this. Room. Okay. And there was like a thousand people in that room and it was just clapping ass. Dude. We could open up a room and just do that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Call it triple X clapping ass. It's like, ooh, we're going to rub some baby oil on this. <laughs> so fucking funny, dude. Clubhouse is so ridiculous. But anyways, um, as per usual, uh, you guys have been asking for a lot of these like uh, film reviews. And, you know, when we could do film reviews, we can obviously get into a lot of American films that have been coming out. But I want to share with you guys a lot of Korean films that I grew up with. The classic. Yeah, and I'm not like beating on this fuck. I'm not beating the same drum to try to show you guys like what these like Asian people can make great films. Them's is just facts. But I want to share with you guys <laughs> some stuff that you haven't seen. Yes. You know, um, maybe you guys have seen this. There was once again an American remake of this film. And I have talked about how I don't like a lot of rom-coms. But there are a few that have stuck with me for quite a long time. And my favorite, favorite rom-com of all time is actually a Korean one. And it's called My Sassy Girl. Right. Yopki Jogi Kunyon. Right, <laughs> this rom-com, it's as a Korean American, it's so creep, it's so creepy how similar it is to my life. It made me, it made me feel like there was a camera watching me my whole life, and then they made a film. <laughs> is of this it. the Truman Show? Yeah, it felt like it, right? Dude, I mean, um, I saw it a long time ago. I gonna, I'm gonna probably say ten plus years ago, and um, so I was pretty much a shithead kid yeah and um i wasn't into rom-coms at all um but i just watched it again because you told me ed we're gonna watch my sassy girl so i actually felt like whew, here we go like all right i'm gonna watch this rom-com and you know what it was fucking hilarious dude it's it, great it's a great film dude it's one of those rom-coms that had moments that i actually cried laughing <laughs> like, uh, because of how it has it has those moments it has man. these moments that are so fucking ridiculous it just made me crack the fuck up 
like the main the uh i forgot the actress's name um i mean i, I didn't look I, she was she was famous though like she mm-hmm. was like the hottest korean actress at the time right when she, when she was doing this film let's see jun ji hyun yeah jun ji you're right i had the wikipedia open yeah. right i had that ready <laughs> so many korean women are like her <laughs> that's a, yeah okay so you were talking about the remake right and the main complaint was that it doesn't have the soul or whatever and i was watching the trailer for the american remake and this girl just sounds crazy yeah just says these things it's the same lines as the korean film but her character sounds off her rocker mm-hmm. right but when we watch this film it's like I've dated a girl like this. Yeah. Right? I know this girl. This is the typical fucking angry ass Korean girl that just tries to sock her boyfriend no matter what. <laughs> Whether you're angry, you're happy, you're sad. Korean yeah. girls just like to fucking hit you. I yeah. have no idea why. And then the other thing about this movie is they really fucking hit each other yeah. in this movie. They really get hit, which is great, actually. Yeah. It turns out like it's 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 violent in a way, but Every time someone gets hit, it's hilarious. It's just that's just how Korean girls are, dude. They they <laughs> like to hit. Like when they're happy with you, they sock you. When they think you're cute, they sock you. When they when they like you, they sock you even more. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that about, dude? <laughs> oh man. So once again, we're gonna do the. I'll I'll read the the, the uh, synopsis and the plot. And David, I know you love this movie. And seen this probably way more than I have. Mm-hmm. You probably want to take the reins more on we'll this. We'll just one. read it down and then yeah. we'll, we'll we'll break it down. So let's see. Uh, the film tells the love story of a male engineering college student, Kyunwoo. Did I say that? Kyunwoo? Kyunwoo, yeah. Kyunwoo. And quote unquote, the girl. Her name is never mentioned in the movie. Kyunwoo just cannot seem to catch a romantic break. Their personality stands opposite to the characteristics traditionally associated with masculinity and femininity femininity (laughs) in Asian societies in general. So it actually starts with three parts and it says first half, Mm -hmm. right? One day at a dinner and drinks with his college friends, Kyonu is interrupted by a call from his mother telling him to visit his aunt and meet a potential date. At the train station on his way to his aunt's, he observes a drunk girl standing precariously close to the edge of the train platform as the train approaches. He pulls her to safety just in time. So, uh, we, we get an idea of who Kyonu is, right? He speaks about how he was raised and the type of guy he is. He's like an admitted dope. He's kind of dumb. Yeah, right? he's kind of really <laughs> stupid. And it's, it's so funny too because uh, in, in that train scene too, uh, she's she's literally teetering at the edge of this subway, and he kind of looks at her, and he runs to save her, saves her, and she's just wobbling back and forth, stares at him. She goes, "Tagya," which means <laughs> sweetie, and she fucking, you know, this is like before, this is after she throws up, right? Right, right. So, um, he he tries to like, well, first he helps her from like falling off the edge, and then they get in the train, and then um. She calls out the dude who's sitting on the oh, seat. That's right. Right. So if you guys know, in uh, if you want to explain uh, uh, in, Korean in, culture. So in Korean culture or any kind of like Eastern culture, we have a reverence for our elders, right? Oh. Um, Japan, Korea, it's it's all the same. When you're on a kicha, like a, a train, like a subway station, right? If there's an elder person, you let them sit first and you stand. Even in Japan, there's signs that say if an elder person is there, you have to let them sit first right. and you need to stand. It's actually a rule in the right. train. 
And so there's this younger person that's like, he's like chewing gum, listening to music or some shit, right? And there's an older man and he's like coughing. <clears throat> he wants to take the yeah. seat. And he kind of ignores the older dude. But this girl, being the gangster that she is, she just starts fucking cursing this dude out, telling him to yeah. get the fuck up and let this old man sit down. The, the way she said it too is is very gangpe-like. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Say, hey, you're not going to get up? Fucking slaps in the back. And it's a real slap. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you guys. Everybody gets slapped for real in this movie. Talk about slapstick. It's for real. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Skillshare, my friends. What are you doing with your time 2021? You can spend it creating something meaningful with Skillshare's online classes because time is what we make of it. So what are you doing, my friends? With Skillshare, you can find inspiration in the moment and learn how to express your creativity. Right now, I'm actually taking a course called Productivity for Creatives because your boy is all over the place. And sometimes when you're creative, like productivity is the last thing that you think about. You're only thinking about creating. Well, the problem with that is that if you're not really focusing and kind of planning out what you're going to do, you kind of just end up going in a circle. So this class has been helping me out a lot, especially when it comes to this podcast. Skillshare has a bunch of classes and courses that you get to take on your own time. It's incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Yes, my friends, it's that cheap. Explore your creativity at skillshare.com slash brain and get a free trial of premium membership that's skillshare.com slash brain once again in order to get that trial of premium membership go to skillshare.com slash brain she smacks him upside his head with the force of a thousand suns (laughs) but um you'll notice like he (laughs) cum comes out of his mouth puts it back in and he's like and he gets up and leaves Mm -hmm. right and then so the old man sits, but then she gets drunk and barfs on the old man's head. It's so graphic. Oh, my gosh. But just to give like a little <laughs> insight into her personality, after she already checks his full force at, and smacks him upside his head, she looks at him. She goes, ah, <laughs> which means like, hey, don't wear pink doesn't look good on you because he's wearing a pink polo shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so she has to roast his fool about his shirt and then he has to take that shit and right. walk away. <laughs> So, uh, Kyunwoo, let's see. Inside the train, Kyunwoo cannot help but stare at the girl who is his type, but repulsed by her drunkenness. Mm-hmm. Finally, okay. she throws up on a passenger and faints, but not before she calls Kyunwoo chagia, which means like honey. Honey. Right? The passenger aggressively chides Kyunwoo and tells him to take care of his girlfriend. So, um, the... Obvious part is just like drunkenness is very normal in Korea. Right? Yeah. Public drunkenness is a normal part of Korean life. Right. Like you see it all the time. Yeah. Um specifically after hours too. So oh, like yeah. in Japan and Korea, like everybody's kind of in the corporate business world. They're so used to being very strict and very like very stringent rules and kind of like keeping up the Joneses, right? But when it's time to drink after oh, work, yeah. which is in Korean it's called Heshik, is where you drink with the company. People get smashed and shit face. Dude, when me and Dan were there, and even when I was in Japan the, the year after, every night, anytime after midnight or something, some ajishi, <laughs> some some salary man passed out on the street, passed out on the bushes, passed out on the the park bench, passed out on a bus. It's just part of the life. You take care. You, you just leave them alone, 
and then you just don't mind them. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you guys will see that sometimes if you're listening to this on the East Coast, like in New York, you see these dudes that wake up the next morning, they're going into their fucking uh, suit and tie job, but you could tell that they got smashed the night before <laughs> and they're still wearing the same uh, suit that they wore the night before. So just that times 10. It's like a bunch of that right. shit. You'll see it in Japan when you go in Tokyo. You'll see it all the time. Right. Yeah. Did they in, in the beginning of the film they they kind of went through his his life as a kid, right? Right. So he they they thought he was a, a girl, right. or they he thought wa- they wanted him to. Uh, they wanted a girl, so they dressed him as a girl. Mm-hmm. So he thought he was a girl, and he didn't penis. understand why he had a penis. Though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to know something fucking funny? Right. When I was watching this film, I I was mortified when that first came out. Yeah. You know why? So when I was a kid, this is a true fucking story, and I have pictures of this. Uh. Not too long ago, I went back to Sacramento, and uh, we were going through our old uh, uh, photo albums, right? I said, yeah. this is not too long ago. This is way back in the day. Yeah. But we revisited this just to show Mariel. So years ago, and this is uh, before I saw the film, I was going through our, our old photo albums. <laughs> and I noticed that my brother, when he was a kid too, at the same time, he wore very different clothes than I did. Yeah. And I'm like, why the fuck is everything that I'm wearing pink with like flowers and bunnies and why is it all pale yellow and so my mom starts laughing and she goes oh that's because we only dressed you in girl clothes till you were like two (laughs) i was like excuse me what did you just say my parents dressed me up as a girl because back in the day or people still do it now when they would look at the shape of your belly that's how they would assume what gender you were. What? So because it was either oblong shaped or really wide, they okay. were saying that I was going to be a girl. And for them, it was facts. It was empirical evidence. <laughs> written in stone? <laughs> written in stone. In hieroglyphics. <laughs> so everybody oh, assumed that I was going to be a girl. So I had clothes for kids ages one through two that were all girl clothes. And we were too poor to buy new clothes. So I was dressed as a fucking girl for the first two years of my life. Damn. So when I saw that in that film, I was mortified. <laughs> But it kind of speaks to his character, right? Because <laughs> um, he kind of has an overcompensation kind of thing as a man. Um, be, but he can't. He mm-hmm. can't overpower this girl. <laughs> like yeah. Her masculinity is <laughs> way above his. Yeah. Um, Kyonu, completely flustered, leaves her on a subway platform bench. But his conscience compels him to take her to the nearest hotel for safety. While the girl is passed out on the bed, her phone rings and Konu picks up. He gives vague answers in regards to the girl's whereabouts and perhaps through GPS tracking. Police raid the room and Konu gets maced and sent to jail. Talk about a motherfucker who has no foresight. Yeah. So it kind of talked about how he's just, he's not a, he's a bright kid. Yeah. This motherfucker like can't see ahead the problem of him walking around naked. <laughs> With this drunk, <laughs> half drunk girl <laughs> in this bed. And, and in between that too, there's all these small nuances like the way he deals with the hotel owner. Because <laughs> he had like sex tuplets and like yeah, um, all these little nuances. So uh, the other thing I noticed about this movie, like if it had to be remade, it should have been remade by Edgar Wright. Mm. Um, the guy who made uh, Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Baby Driver, mm-hmm. right? world's end Shaun of the dead because uh, i think you mentioned it, the guy who does every frame of painting mm-hmm. did a report a whole essay on edgar wright and i was i was watching this movie i was like this is a korean edgar wright movie 
That's what it is. All those, like, everything has a joke to it. Yeah. Every setup, everything that's going to it, every little moment, there's no time wasted. Yeah. That's why this is such a great, like, comedic film, by the way. This is what I really appreciate yeah. about it. So this motherfucker, anyway, gets caught in a situation where it looks like he's going to Bill Cosby this girl. <laughs> and it's so, this part cracked me up is because it just goes to show how stupid he is yeah. because even in this dire situation he already kind of put himself in this like fuck situation right he does there's no way that he looks good in this he starts so cops in korea don't have guns um from what i was told is like the people who do have guns are higher up like right. like um investigate no, detectives right. detectives have guns or something like that but your your regular just beaten cop doesn't they have like whatever sticks and they have mace and so this female cop comes in and sees him butt naked, right? <laughs> She's telling him to raise his hands, to put his hands up, but he sees this is a woman cop, but his dick's out, so he covers his head. She's like, no, something up. Like, put up your hands. Like, ah! Puts his head back up, puts it over scratch. So he gets fucking mace in the eyes. No more to go Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fucked up situation. So um, he's, he uh, spends a night in jail. And uh, he gets caught up with these gangpes, uh in there, which pretty much kind of, once again, I think it's setting up, uh, showing his quote-unquote masculinity yeah. in their society where he kind of stands, let's say, quote-unquote again, beta. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the beta type. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. He is sent home from jail the next morning, and to his surprise, he gets a phone call from the girl who demands they meet by the train station so he can figure out what happened the night before. So they go to Baskin Robbins and he explains to her what exactly happened that night before. And as it plays out and then the, the camera circle circles around and then it zooms out the story that of what just happened to them. There was a kid's birthday party and then it's empty. Everybody yeah. leaves. <laughs> Once again, these visual comedy cues, these little small little little like nuances to it. It's just so real. Was so funny. And rich in Korean culture. Mm -hmm. Just nuanced Korean like humor. And also kind of in, in that moment too, it just shows how clueless he is too. Right. Right. Cause he doesn't even know how much time has passed and he looks at you, oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like his spatial awareness. Yes. He's telling this really weird story around little kids. Little, kid, little kids. At <laughs> <laughs> a Baskin Robbins. <laughs> So, so they just, uh, she tells him, you know, uh, that they're going to go get drinks, right? So over Soju, the girl cries, admits to breaking up with her boyfriend the day before and gets thoroughly drunk, resulting in a second trip to the same hotel. Thus begins his comically ill-fated relationship with the girl. So, um, in that restaurant, she calls out these creeps. Oh yeah, at the restaurant. Okay, so this is a pattern of behavior because even in the subway we said before, she has a righteous anger. Yeah, that's fucking Han. Yeah, we have a reason to be angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of virtue in it. Yeah, like um, because of the uncontrollable anger, like if something is wrong, you know that someone with the that Han is gonna just do what they can to say something about it right there, and that's her like balls out. Calls out these fucking creeps with these younger girls. Like these junior high students, right? Yeah. And uh, she kind of walks up to them and, and immediately just goes up and says, where's your ID? Yeah. She tries to age check these kids. And then um, 
the older men, obviously they know they're doing something fucking creepy. They're picking up on these young girls who, by the way, these girls know what they're doing too. They almost come yeah. off as like little prostitutes. Yes. Right. And so he's like, no, 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 no. Like, oh, you, you got it completely wrong. These are just my little tongzangs, right? <laughs> like, which is like my little siblings. Yeah. Right. Which it clearly isn't. You know, they're in it because they're going to get free drinks and beer and, you know, they just entertain these old fucks. Yeah. So, um, while she's doing that, it also disturbs the other, you know, people mm -hmm. in there, right? While she might be doing, like, throughout this whole film, she's so public. She's so, doesn't matter. She doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, she's going to do what she's going to do. Right? Okay. So, she comes back super upset about, you know, what, what had just happened with these uh, men and these girls. And she makes him pour a drink and then one shot, like on, on cue, I mean on film, this is a one take thing. She takes three shots, right? And then she starts confessing about her past relationship and then boom, passes out. <laughs> fucking smashes her head to the table, dude. <laughs> and this dude, this part's this so guy. fucking, <laughs> <laughs> fucking freaking out. It's like, you do yeah. <laughs> Poking her, he's, poking her. he's he's having a fucking anxiety breakdown, dude. Like, please, please, please wake the fuck up. <laughs> the way he pokes at her too. Did you just see this desperation? Oh my god! Like, please just wake up. Oh man. Um, let's see. Where are we now? Drown. She uh, she's drowning her sorrows in alcohol, obviously, and um, she he takes her back to the hotel. Um, he gets a little poetic, poetic in a weird way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I saw her face, yeah. her neck, and her breasts. <laughs> He's like appreciating the beauty. Yeah, just just as a quote unquote beta, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then then he gets determined. Like he knows this girl must be really sad. Yeah, that's why she's getting drunk. She's really hurt, and he's now determined to fix her sorrows. Yeah, right. right. So. After the second overstay night at the hotel, she begins to become a more active part of his life. She visits Kyonwoo in college and pulls him out of class, telling the teacher that Kyonwoo is the father to, <laughs> to her soon-to-be-aborted baby. <laughs> Yo! Talk. This scene was... I was like, is this the best abortion joke I've ever seen on film? <laughs> So they have How to go to the clinic. Dark is that, and like right before he, like he's vehemently denying this, <laughs> and the, clearly nobody believes it. And the, yeah. and the professor looks at him right before he leaves. And he goes, "If you can keep it, just keep it. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta raise her as your own. If you can, yeah, I'm like no." But when she said it, she was like, "He was like, he's like, how oh, how'd you how'd you convince him to get me out of class? Oh, I said we're gonna go get an abortion. Let's go." Yeah. <laughs> This girl's crazy. Dude. She's crazier than the girl in Fight Club. Dude, you know what's so fucking funny, too? Like, when, I remember when I saw that, too, like, later on. This happened to me um, after, but I broke up with somebody. This actually happened twice, but this one was very similar to this one. I broke up with somebody, right? Mm. And this was, like, in my car, in my own podcast, for shame. <laughs> um, and this is, we were parked in a car, and I was going to call it quits with this girl mm -hmm. she was and i shit you not when i say crazy i don't use this term loosely unless it's a joke towards a woman this girl was fucking nuts like she had some mental issues right right great sex 
crazy yeah. <laughs> that's how you stay though yeah. right? so you know when i was calling it quits you know we we're doing it face this is in sacramento she starts fucking bawling uncontrollably in the car like right. it, it looked like i struck her dude <laughs> and so i'm freaking out right i'm like yo calm down and she was like no no and she just starts crying bawling this is this is just to show by the way dating two weeks yeah <laughs> two weeks unwarranted that should not be a reaction for some guy yeah. you know for two weeks yeah starts crying uncontrollably right and this person walks by the car and you know what she says she goes do right by her <laughs> i'm like <laughs> i didn't hit i didn't yeah. do anything do i know you yeah, she just goes do right by her <laughs> she just walks off in the most sassiest way possible i'm like yo dude i didn't do anything dude oh man so uh there's a crazy story. Um, cause you and I have dated Korean girls. Mm -hmm. Like I said, this crazy is kind of no. We understand it. We know it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not gonna say it's normal, but we know it. <laughs> it's yeah. familiar. Uh, yeah, I was in a position where like I was fighting with this girl outside of Tiggs. <laughs> My of course, ex yeah, of course, Tiggs. And we were just having an argument and about some bullshit. And I'm just like, why are you being like this? And then she starts crying, you know, and she falls to the floor. She goes, oh. I had an abortion. Screamed out loud in the middle of, if you know where Tiggs is, it's Pioneer Square, right? Pioneer there's Square is like, yeah, there's a lot of fuck. Hey, 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 let's, let's get up, get up. Let's go. Let's go. Right. I'm going to finish this story as we move along with this movie, okay? <laughs> I'm going to leave that right there, and I'm going to get on with this story, because we're going to oh talk about the familiar about how crazy Korean girls are, okay? <laughs> oh, my God. I just, I just, my ass is sweating from that, dude. <laughs> like, literally, my ass is sweating from oh that shit, God. dude. Oh, man. So, well, well, back to the movie. Let's see. Where was I? Uh, the girl's mood swings wildly from joyful to downright violent. But Kyungwoo puts up with it and lets her abuse. Uh, let's her let her let's her abuse him for her amusement. So she also turns out to be an aspiring scriptwriter. <laughs> <laughs> and throughout the movie, she gives Kyungwoo three different screenplays and different genres. The first is an action movie, The Demolition Terminator. <laughs> oh my god. Which switches gender roles, symbolically having the girl save her helpless lover, which is Kyonu. And second is a wild perversion of a Korean short story, Sonagi. Uh, uh, how do you call how do you pronounce Sonagi, it? Sonagi is a, a, a sudden rain shower. Sudden rain shower. Flash flood. Right. Yeah. In which the girl, having died, asked that her lover be buried along with her. Even though he's still alive, <laughs> yo. So these two, like, when when they kind of do a like, um, I don't know what you call it, like community, like they he reads a script, but then it comes to life, and they have this big action scene. Now, mind you, this is two thousand one in Korea. Mm -hmm. I think Shitty came out like two years before, yeah, and it was like the biggest box office hit in Korea at the time, right? In yeah, ninety nine, because Korea didn't have an action movie like that before, right? And um, 
they kind of wrote on that with this movie with this girl wanting to be a screenwriter and she's expressing this story super cheesy and corny but then they have this shootout together where she like saves him which is like it's super cute yeah it's nice and then she tells a story of Sonaki. Sonaki right. is one of the most that surprisingly this is probably there's so many great moments in this film this play out of this <laughs> screenplay was one of my favorite parts of this film because it depicts <laughs> first of all how fucking nuts she is <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like set in olden times, right? Yeah. And obviously this is predates like modern medicine or whatever, right? And you know, they kind of make these promises to each other like you're going to be with me till the day I die, all right? Yeah. You know, and it's like stuff that you say when you're extremely in love with somebody, right? But nobody takes these words for it to be like literal, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so she dies, right? What what was it from? Was it from like it was from something. Nobody from knows, sickness, right? Yeah. But then her last dying wish is that she's buried with her lover. <laughs> And then it cuts to, they're like, you know, traditional Korean funerals, just crying. <laughs> people are crying in the background, right? And then people are putting dirt in and they're dragging Kuru into the fucking hole to bury, with, to bury him alive. And, and then he tries to drag out and they fucking hit him in the face with the shovel. Twice. Twice. Dude, visual comedy. The pacing, the the style, the the timing. Oh my goodness! When you guys watch this film, you're gonna under you're gonna rewatch my sketches and understand where I get right. my where my comedy from. Right. It's it's as Korean as Korean gets. It's literally from movies like this. Right. So doing the part. So after he's she's like done reading this whole story, right? They're playing the whole thing out. It goes back to them in the cafe. And you look at Kyona's face. He's mortified. Yeah. <laughs> and her face is like in this dream state. Yeah. <laughs> she, she thinks that she just told the story about what true love is. Yeah. <laughs> like, Yo, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> he's, he's just like, what the fuck? But after telling the story of um, her screenplay, well, she's realizing it though like this is why it's just great storytelling they use this hilarious scene to set up the fact that she's not over her ex right um and because of that it makes her a bit sadistic (laughs) so she pushes konu over the top and he can't swim yeah and she watches him drown (laughs) he's literally drowning to death it's like oh that's how deep it is so sadistic and then she dives in and saves him and then she goes in and saves him <laughs> he gets tired of her bullshit and enacts revenge by ditching her and forcing her to take care of him when he's drunk but he ends up in jail again she picks him up from jail and said and beats the shit out of him so going back to the story i was just telling um we were in a fight outside of Tiggs. And she starts crying, saying that she had an abortion. Insult. And it was like really loud. She screams in front of everyone. So I, cry. I, I hold her by the arms. I'm like, hey, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Tell me what are you talking about? My baby? What? Mm-hmm. Right? And then she takes her hand. And I just see a fucking fist come right at me. It was like slow-mo. <laughs> you know, like I play baseball, right? Yeah. So when you see a ball that's going to hit you, 
it's almost in slow motion. You actually see the ball before you get hit. Yeah. <laughs> that fist was right in my face and went BAM. And it was like white for a second. And then I looked at her. And then another fist. Bam! Right in my face. She socked you? She socked me right in my face. Right outside of takes. And then I looked at her. I was like, what? Stop hitting me. And she went, ba, 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 ba. And I had to grab her hand finally. Uh-huh. And I'm holding both her wrists. <laughs> stop hitting me! Yeah. And then you know what she says? Ew, stop yelling at me. <laughs> My sassy girl, bro. You t- you think like this shit is crazy? I get it. I fucking get it. <laughs> she went, ew. Stop yelling at me. And she left to her car. And then, um, and then I can continue the rest. How does she unload on you and goes, Yo. why are you yelling at me? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, my face is like, my head is spinning. My world is like. I just woke up. Like, where am I? Oh, I'm at Tiggs. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, I gotta. I literally. You guys will see this in a film that I'm that I'm kind of writing right now, and it's literally about the relationship that Marilyn and I have had. <laughs> Marilyn is not like that, but she has glimpses of yeah. these things, right? So I don't think I've ever told the story before because I want to leave it in the script, but I'll just tell it now. You'll see it in the film either way. Yeah. But Marilyn and I, when we first started going out, we had a lot of these like very crazy fights and arguments, right? And uh. Mariel back in the day, she's not like this anymore, but she didn't like it when somebody that she cared about disagreed with her, right? Because <laughs> it made it, if to her, it sounded like we were belittling her if mm. we just didn't agree with the stuff that she liked, right? And since, and this is like our first year or two that we've been together, right? And, you know, me growing up in a household where we, we tend to yell a lot, I got super frustrated with her. So I don't, can't remember exactly what it is right now. I have it written down somewhere because that's how funny this situation yeah. is to me later on. But literally, I said, hey, let's just agree to disagree and let's just have a good dinner, right? And uh, it ended up her just yelling at me. She she was like, nope, you need to tell me that I'm a good person, right? And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) Right? She goes, say I'm a good person right now. And I'm like, "Uh, no, like, don't talk to me like that. Don't make demands to me. I was like, we don't have to agree about everything. Let's just agree to disagree. It's not a big deal. Right? Let's just move on. She goes, say I'm a good person. She's yelling at me at this point. And I looked at her and I was like, hey, look, I'm actually getting angry right now. So I need you to calm down. Let's relax and we'll just have a good meal. We'll talk about this later. Okay? She goes, say I'm a good person. Say I'm a good person. She's just saying it over and over and over, right? And I turned to her. I go, shut the fuck up. Because she's been screaming at me, right? And then she stops. She goes, why are you yelling? (laughs) (laughs) Dog. Yeah. Okay, so stop. You tell yo, eh, we've been there. <laughs> we know it. Let me tell you, I got so mad, I grabbed the collar of my shirt and I tore my shirt in half. Because <laughs> I didn't know what to do. What? <laughs> you know, it's like you're, you're like speechless. Uh, I bet if you had a bowl of dirt next to you, you would have poured it yeah. on your head like I like I just wanted to beat myself up. Oh like, is this God. reality? <laughs> You were yelling at me for like <laughs> five minutes straight, and I go yell back at you, and you go, "Oh my god, this guy's crazy!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> we—that was like one of the fucking funniest moments that oh, we've had. Oh man, 
And you know what? And we love these people. Yeah. <laughs> and I fucking love this woman to death. And welcome to Korean rom-com. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, man, man. Oh, it's so crazy. Let's see where we leave off. She, he ditches her to hang out with his friends and drink and she calls him. And there's that scene when he did the English. Uh, oh, yeah. The fucking voicemail. The number you have a dial <laughs> is not is not in a service. Please hang up and call again. <laughs> and at the jail, she calls her. Your English is pretty good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. That's what it <laughs> so he was like out drinking with his friends, and he sees this hot girl walk by, right? And yeah. he's like. Fuck this last girl. I'm over her. I'm 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 gonna holler at the next fine chick I see. And this fine ass girl walks by and he's like, oh, I got shit. You know, we're just like, hey baby. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Turns around, it's her. It's her. <gasps> <gasps> he freaks out, starts running away. And she's like, <gasps> and she looks looks for him and he ditches her. And that's when he does the that's phone call. He does the voice He does the fucking voice tone dial thing. And that's when he gets drunk to teach her a lesson, finds him there. She goes, Your English is pretty fucking good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please hang up and call again. Oh my god! And um, there's some uh, foreshadowing there when he's in the bar uh, on the news. It says uh, a soldier went AWOL. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it also sets up the next scene in between that. Um, after he's bailed out of jail, his dad keeps trying to bust him for watching porn. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's so like random. Like, why is this scene happening? Uh-huh. <laughs> but it it doesn't matter. It's hilarious because it's just setting up the fact that he gets an email from her. <laughs> but just great filmmaking. Just how do you tell a story about a guy getting an email about his dad trying to catch him watching porn? It's genius. So, it's genius. Great the, filmmaking. <laughs> these things too are so small and subtle, but it's so fucking funny because it's very real too. Yeah. Like we, we used to watch porn and then we're always looking over our shoulders to make sure our dad doesn't know. Oh my but his God. dad's not even angry because he, he has no proof. Yeah. He's right? just bored. He's just bored. And he goes like, he comes in, he goes like a sweet, sweet father, right? Yeah. He's like, you're not watching any porn or anything, are you? He's like, what do you mean, dad? I'm not doing any of that stuff. And he goes back to watching porn and he busts right back in. It's like, what, was, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I just, you know, I'm just checking, whatever. Oh, gosh. So, despite all the horrible things Conewood endures, he is determined to cure the girl's pain. He decides to surprise her on her birthday and takes her on a nighttime trip to an amusement park which ends up quite differently from how he planned. The pair encounter the AWOL soldier who holds them hostage and rants about his misery after being jilted. Konu convinces him to release her, and she in turn convinces a soldier to free Konu and go on with his life and pursue, pursue another love. So this part is obviously like, um, oh, well, going back, let's turn back. Um, this story started off as a blog right yeah this dude who was coping with his breakup with this girl and he was telling stories about this crazy girl that he was dating and eventually that blog turned into this novel a fictionalized novel which turned into this script which turned into this movie yeah and obviously this part i don't know if it's true i don't think it is Mm -hmm. but like i said before the part with his dad trying to bust him for um, watching porn um it it doesn't say much except it's just funny 
but it sets it up for the fact um, that he's uh, for the next scene. Yeah. I feel like this whole thing is like an exaggerated fictional way to um, show their first fight <laughs> mm. between a third person, probably who also had a breakup. Yeah. And then ended up with them because what it really showed with this soldier in him was that throughout this whole time in this movie, this is a halfway point of the movie. Kyonu can't admit that he's dating this girl. Yeah. Even though all his friends think that this girl is the hottest girl out there, way above his league, mm -hmm. and all that, he just can't admit that he's dating this girl. He won't even tell his teacher or anybody around him, no, I'm not dating her. And when this fucking soldier has a gun pointed to his head, he can't even say, no, I'm not dating her. Yeah, so they all went into, um, I guess, after hours, they wanted to break into this uh, carnival or you know amusement park like yeah. like look the world or something yeah. like that right and so this this uh runaway military dude he goes into the quote unquote not so much abandoned but the closed amusement park and that's where they decide that they wanted to go find them takes them hostage and you get to see like how how actually kind of like compatible and cute they are right mm. even before you get to see the moment where he kind of just you can see he doesn't want to admit that that's his girlfriend and even in the midst of her being in hostage with a guy with an automatic rifle to her head, she's still a fucking gangster. Dude. Yeah. This is how scary this woman is, yeah. right? Because she was like, oh, because he, he asked like if they're together, right? <laughs> and she goes, he goes, uh, we're not really together. Or he kind of alludes to that, yeah. right? And he says something in a very crude way. He goes, could they got tamago to that? And then he's like, yeah. so can I fuck her then? Right? And she looks at him. She goes, what am I, some fucking fruit? You could just pick me like that? <laughs> but then there's such a funny part too where there's this moment <laughs> where he's, where you think Kyonu's going to do something manly because he's such a beta bitch in this yeah. film, right? Where he's going to say, it kind of alludes to the fact that he might say to like, hey, you know what? If you can't let both of us go, can you at least let me go? <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna, yeah. You think that he's going to man up and sacrifice himself. He fucking sacrifices her. Yeah. And then he hurt, he hears that. And now this military guy is even more pissed because yeah. that cowardly like behavior reminds him of the girl, of the guy that his girl left him for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that moment right there. I was like, yo, this guy is such a bitch throughout this whole film. But um, I think it plays along too with the way, I think it might be a little meta uh, too, because before we were seeing the action film and we were seeing the Sonagi film. And now, like, I feel like, you know, he's throwing a little hostage situation filmmaking yeah. action thing in the middle of this kind of um, core. It's literally the um, climax of the first yeah. half of the movie, right? And um, because it's a, it's a surprise, supposed to be a surprise birthday for the girl. Mm -hmm. And Kyonu's friend who works at the amusement park sees, oh, Kyonu. And so he lights off the fireworks when this guy's trying to kill him. <laughs> like, it, it turns out to be this melodramatic moment, right? Earlier, he was giving, telling the girl, like, oh, your, your, your story's not sad enough. It doesn't have the melodrama. Koreans love melodrama. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, in a meta way, the screenwriter put melodrama yeah. in this action scene i think that was a pretty great way of telling this story of their first fight like yeah. big big fight about their relationship and but what ultimately happens though is that it strengthens their relationship right so 
the girl in uh, Kyonu's relationship turns a turn for the better. Her cruel treatment of Kyonu is her way of showing affection, and the two grow closer. Let's see. And uh, she presents another script to Kyonu. And this time, it's more of like a wuxia, like samurai movie. And um, all th- the way it kind of goes off, it's it's like super action filled and this and that. But then the point of all three of these scripts that she keeps bringing up is that this girl is from the future. Yeah, <laughs> she has this obsession with the future, right? And what's to come, or meeting people from the future, and it's and it's kind of showing off in these scripts that she keeps writing. And she she makes him go to a production company to hand over the script right? oh my god then, this is so bad it then, makes this guy like heave. A&R guy starts reading it <laughs> he starts heaving because yeah. <laughs> of how terrible it is he turns a page he goes oh yeah. <laughs> dude this is the visual guy I'm telling you you guys though like everything is a joke yeah. everything has its moment for a joke <laughs> and the good thing about this film too, sometimes when you see uh, films who do jokes every two seconds, you kind of get exhausted, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of a great example is, and a lot of people disagree with me on this, is like, because I loved like Taika Waititi, right? Mm-hmm. But when he did the Thor film, I thought he did too many jokes where it was like, I liked that it, it was enjoyable. I still liked the film a lot, but sometimes it was like Thor always had to say some kind of quick witty joke. The last word. Yeah. It's like. Move. Is it really? Yeah, like, that's can right. we just move on? Like, yeah. <laughs> and it, it happened like 80 times throughout the film. Yeah. And that's when I feel like sometimes they're not placing these jokes very well. It's like, it's funny, but you, it, it's not funny when you have to do it all the time. This right. film does it in so many different ways. Like, you kind of just don't know when to expect the joke. Well, the problem being that the jokes like you're describing is off of improv. Yeah. Thor 4 feels very improv. Improv, yeah. Right? But this <laughs> film is, like, you have to script it. You have to write this joke down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And they they thought yeah, they thought about all these things that every little thing can be funny yeah <laughs> and which is great that's why I say it's a Korean I made a fucking abortion film. joke for crying yeah. out loud dude <laughs> even for its time it wasn't that controversial but even then it's like goddamn yeah dude. you know okay so um they play the game on the train where if someone steps over. With their left or right foot, they slap each other in the face. And that's a whole setup for itself. You guys have to see it for yourself. It's a great scene. They sign up for kendo. They play uh, racquetball, right? Or squash. And um, she makes him wear her heels and chase her around. Like, or and if he doesn't do it, what happens? It gets pissed. Pissed. It's this little thing that you see like cute Korean couples do is just like, (laughs) come and catch me. And I know, and you know what the funny thing is? Like, I've never had a girl ask me to do this until I met Mariel. (laughs) Like, I'm like replaying my sassy girl in my head as she asked me to do this at Disneyland. (laughs) She goes, she goes, and I'm like, what the the thick did you say? (laughs) Did you just think? Catch me if you can. And you know, like, I'm not, like, I'm lovey-dovey, but I'm not that lovey-dovey, especially in a public place like that. So I'm looking at her, and I remember at Disneyland, she goes, nine times, she goes, Anjabo? She's like, you're not going to catch me? She goes, fine, whatever. And she's like, pissed. I'm like, oh my God, this is the film all over again. I'm like, yo, what is going on? She's taking her cues. Yeah. So I think I, um, 
Does does Mariel ever think that you have the ability to read her mind? Yes, all the time. Yes, and so same with this girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, Korean girls is it or is it every girl? I don't know, but for me, every Korean girl that I've uh, dated was they thought that I was supposed to read their mind and mm-hmm. know what was. You don't know? Yeah. No, 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 Oh my gosh, she's so real, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, after a day of hanging out, he walks her home in the pouring rain and she demands that he meet her father, who is a habitual drinker. Her parents do not take Kyonu and, uh, uh, do not take to Kyonu. And on leaving, he, he overhears an impassioned argument between the girl and her mother over her relationship with him. He does not hear her from her. Ugh, damn. I'm, I must be twisted and I'm drunk. <laughs> I can't read this shit. <laughs> he does not hear her. F- <laughs> he does not hear from her for quite some time and his life without her begins. So they break up because her parents don't approve of him. Damn, I couldn't read that shit. And you can see like where you get how, why she, her, her lightweightness from her drinking comes from her father. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just smashing. <laughs> and he passes out and smashes his head into the table too. It's like, it's like that's where she got it from. Right. And um, you can see uh, it's, it's not unnormal too to have a drink with the father mm-hmm. of the girl you meet either, right? Boom. Boom. Knocks out. <laughs> right. So um, like I was saying earlier, uh, Mariel kind of expects you to read her mind. But have you ever had a moment of just like no communication? Or in past relationships where just like someone just ghosted you? I mean, I've definitely, yes, my very, very first girlfriend, she ghosted me for two weeks and then broke up with me after. Damn. That shit was one of the most like emotionally like fucked moments of my life. As a a fucking 19 year old, could you imagine what that's (laughs) like, right? As a 19 year old. Like, I, I was gutted. That happened to me when I was 21, and that shit hurt, too, yeah. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> why would you do that, you fucking cuntbag? Like, so, um, in that moment, too, what happened was, like, I... The reason why it was so hard for me when I was younger at that age was because the night the night before that she just ghosted me for two fucking weeks, I said something to her that was kind of the nail in the coffin. It was true, though. It's, it's actually how I felt, right? Mm-hmm. But it was something that I didn't want to accept. And I said it out of impulse because we were having an argument. Right. And so I was I remember I was at my buddy Daryl's house and uh, I went to go crash at his place because I wanted to check out, you know, Torrance because I was Mm -hmm. in Riverside. So I went home with him for the weekend to see where he lived and stuff like that. So we're chilling and at night and I go like. Are we even compatible? Like, is this even working? Mm -hmm. Like you and I are so different. Like, I don't understand why we're so different. And do you really think that this is going to work? And then she got dead silent. Right. Right. And then I was like, hey, this is something that you should think. I woke up the next morning and I was like, man, I was just being emotional. Like, I, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. She ghosted me for two weeks. Right. And so I said something to her that I think was a big fear. And it just kind of reaffirmed what she already felt. And what mm-hmm. I said wasn't, wasn't not true. It was true. We were not compatible. We didn't make sense. Right. But she l- ghosted me for two weeks. And then she um, finally hits me up. And I'm in Sacramento back from break from Riverside because she went to Davis. Yeah. And then she goes, hey, can we meet up? And I already know in my fucking gut yeah. this bitch is going to dump me. <laughs> right? And I'm like, hey, man, I got what's my exit plan? I got to make sure that she doesn't dump me. 
And I kid you not, this is like one of the sorriest moments of my life. This is why I remind myself of Kony like a little bitch. She breaks up with me, right? And I told this to Edric on the podcast, but she literally says it's not going to work. She starts crying, right? Let me tell you what I did. Not like a like a manly man. I didn't be like, you know what? I understand. Bro, I collapsed on my knees and I grabbed her ankles. <laughs> And what? I was like, don't leave me. No, no. And I'm dead. As a 19-year-old oh, grown-ass six-foot dude, I was like, oh. I grabbed her ankles. Like, trying to shackle please, her. Please. please. Like, I, I'll do better. Don't leave me. And I just remember looking at me. She's crying. And I'm looking at myself. When I look back at that, I'm like, you should have just stepped in front of a car. Yeah. You fucking loser, dude. What is wrong with you? I literally grabbed her ankles like so she couldn't leave. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So... One day, however, the girl calls him and tells him to bring her a rose during class. Fucking calls him after mm-hmm. ghosting him. What do you know? To commemorate their 100th day anniversary after ghosting him. She's crazy. She's fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> he does this, leading to a touching and romantic scene where he arrives in disguise as a food delivery person in a packed auditorium and watches her play the melody of Canon and D. He presents her the rose and the two hug while classmates applaud in approval at his romantic gesture. As part of the celebration, they hit the bars and clubs together dressed in high school uniforms. She gets drunk as Kyonu carries her on his back. A stranger slips a condom. Kyonu drops her off inside and is confronted at her Hoff's her house by her parents again the father interrogates him and forces him to empty his pockets where he embarrassing pre- embarrassingly presents the condom and her father demands that the two break up mm-hmm. so it was going to work and then with the family just the family got in the way and had to break it were you ever in that kind of situation where family was just like I don't think Mariel's mom liked me very much. Really? Like when she first met me, she was very distant and cold. Mm-hmm. Actually, o- only until uh, recently. And mind you, she and I have been together for about like six years. I think it was like uh, last year where I remember I, so when I would see her, she would actually never give me a hug. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, and I understand too, right. From a, from a traditional Korean perspective on the exterior, I'm a piece of shit. Mm. But when you know me, I'm very much not like the persona that you probably see in entertainment, right? Because right. this is entertainment. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and everybody knows this about me. Like, specifically, like, even in the church, they know, like, I'm this loud kid. But they always said, like, I, like, her aunts even said this about me. She goes, like, you have a very kind soul. Like, that's what her aunts always said. So her aunts loved me from the get-go, right? Right. Because they saw my videos. They saw how much I curse or whatever. <laughs> but they met me and they go, oh, you have a very kind soul. Right. But I don't think her mom really kind of bought into that. But then out of nowhere, like, last year... She sees me. She goes, David, hug. And she gave me a hug. I was like, what the fuck is <laughs> what this? Happened? What happened? I don't know. I don't know mm. what happened. But I think per, uh, from uh, perspective wise, just like Kyonu, that's why I'm saying this This film is really weird. Her mom expected her to be with somebody who was academically on right. paper very successful. Right. A doctor, a lawyer, had a very stable nine to five job. Right. Mm. So my what I did years ago to kind of put this at ease I was like, oh, you guys should come to the grand opening of my matcha shop. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because I don't think she knew exactly what I did. Right. And there was like 800 people there. <laughs> and she's like, oh, uh, what is this? I was like, well, they're here to see me. <laughs> you know? Oh. You know? Oh. 
And so she, I think her dad was like, oh, shit. You know yeah. I mean? Like, he's not just some clown. It's like, no, I, I work. <laughs> like, no, you did. <laughs> yeah, I've had girls ask me, wait, what do you do exactly? It's just so I can tell my parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, even now, too, when people ask what I do, they go, what do you do for a living? I was like, I'm a small business owner. Yeah. That's what I say. It's just easy. What am I supposed to do? It's like I I get half naked on my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. All right. The girl does not contact him again. And Konu naturally thinks they have broken up. Until one day, seemingly out of the blue, she calls Konu to meet her for dinner as she is on a blind date. The girl introduces Konu to the date, who thinks Konu is a great friend of hers based on how highly she speaks of him. She is unusually soft and gentle as there is clear awkwardness between the two. She excuses herself to the washroom, appears to not be handling the breakup so well. Mm -hmm. So, you know what they did a really good job at mm -hmm. when I watched the film again later on is her wardrobe. Right. She's dressed in pure white. Do <laughs> you know mm -hmm. that? Like she's, she's in all white. She looks, it's like her being like this pure oh, version of herself right like the, the whole tubu idea yep yeah and she's just all dressed in white almost angelic right. you know what i mean and that's how she's behaving it's mm. like oh how odd you know man even symbolically in colors in korean films <laughs> damn you noticed that. yeah she um <laughs> i don't know about you but i've been trapped by my ex to fucking meet some other dude that i wasn't trying to meet i was trying to meet her in oh, fact, really? That was the reason why we got in this fight in front of Tiggs. Oh. I was living here and I had just moved here, right? I was like two months into LA and I went back to Seattle to hang out and I called her out. It's, hey, because we were seeing each other. She just fucking visited me in LA. So I went back to Seattle, let's hang out. And when I call her out to hang out, she fucking brings a dude with her. Tiggs. And so I was, that's why we got in a fight. And that's why she said that shit. And that's why she punched me in the face. <laughs> Crazy Wait, fucking why did, did shit. She, was she saying that that kid was your kid? Or what, did she just scream that she had an abortion? She just screamed that she had an abortion. And I was asking her, was it mine? And when I did, she punched me in the fucking face. <laughs> what, what was, I'm sorry. Afterwards, what, what, did you guys talk about this? Like, right. you fucking socked me. So how sassy girl is this? So I call her the next morning. And she was like, well, I was so drunk last night. I don't know. What oh, my happened. God. And I told her exactly what, just like in Baskin Robbins, I told her what she did. Right. And she goes, yeah, I was just lying. Nah, I'm just. Yeah, I was. Lying. Oh, my God. And I'm like, this goes crazy. You're a fucking psychopath. And this is where we broke up. too. That's <laughs> fucking. Cr what is wrong with her? Dude. And now I'll, she's a pastor. I'll, I'll, this story will keep going as this synopsis keeps going. Okay. I'll, she is I'll now finish. the head pastor yeah. at, a, at a Presbyterian church. I'll finish it. <laughs> All right. All right. And um, the girl returns to the table to see Konu gone. He left while she was in the bathroom, but not before offering the blind day 10 rules to follow to ensure her happiness. At a cafe, instead of Coke, juice, order coffee, prevent her from over drinking after three drinks, given to uh, her every circumstances. Um, just all these little nuanced things that we saw her with her weird behavior. She, he's telling this guy, hey, 
playing along. This is what she likes. Yeah. Right? While the blind date recites these rules to her, she realizes how well Sonu understands her and realizes her love for him. She abruptly leaves her date and searches for Konu at the subway station. They cross paths several times but never run into each other. So she goes into the subway security office to see the security monitors. She sees him standing close to the edge of the platform, just like she was in the beginning. While an employee <laughs> makes an announcement in the microphone, she yells his name, he hears, and they reunite at the office. Right? Once reunited, the two realize they are at a turning point in their relationship. But for some unknown reason, the girl decides it is time for them to part. As a gesture to their happy times, the two write letters to each other and bury them in a time capsule under a particular tree on a uh, mountain in the countryside. They agree to meet again at the tree after two years to read their letters together. After burying the time capsule, time capsule they go to their separate ways for good so you told your sad breakup stories <laughs> you got another one for us i mean that was probably after that that was the only sad breakup i've ever had so the reason why is because the very first girlfriend that i had uh she is was a life lesson for me right. it was a reflection in how much of a loser i am <laughs> so <laughs> taking that lesson i said i would never be in that position ever again right? right not so much be vulnerable to somebody right but to make sure that i have my wits about me first that i understand the value of myself mm. first before i go ahead and bring somebody mm. back into my life or if things aren't going to work out just cut it out like define those lines really fast right which led to later on me having a lot of funny and weird dating stories right. because i would literally date anybody and everybody right anybody that would date me i said yes yeah right Specifically, number one, and I mentioned this before, was like I, as a comic, I needed life stories. Yeah. But I, I kept on doing this thing where I wanted to fall magically in love with somebody. But I'm like, hold on, you got to know what you're in for. So why don't you just start dating people? And so that's why, like, I mean, I could probably fill up thirty thousand episodes with every single date I've been on because right. I literally would just try to mack on every single girl, and whatever girl would say yes, I would go on a date with them and see right. what would happen. Right. So after her, I never had my heart broken by another girl besides her. Yeah, I had my moment like that when I was like 21 in uh, in Seattle. We were uh, there's this really popular uh, popular street near UW called the Ave, and it's where all the restaurants and coffee shops are. And I met with my ex there, and I begged her there in public to take me back to. I was bawling my eyes out and crying in front of all these people, and it was so awkward that she just got up and left. And I was just sitting there crying. Oh my god! <laughs> and I felt so sad for myself that I walked out to a restaurant. And I walked down this street, the Ave, and there are thousands of people, and I'm just, uh, just crying until I get to my car. I at least cried at my house. Yeah. <laughs> no, what and the? when I got to my house, I put my blanket and pinned up because uh, the windows of my room was completely dark to allow myself to cry longer. <laughs> oh, my, who uh, was this? Like your first love? Yeah, my first love. Yeah, so she was my very first love, too. Definitely. I thought I took a bad dude. (laughs) (laughs) God damn, man. And that was part of one of those things where I was like reevaluating who I was as a person and like the kind of shitty person I was and why I was an asshole and why I wasn't good enough and blah, blah, blah. And then Iraq. (laughs) And then you left to Iraq. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) let's see. Um, Overtime. Now, 
two years have passed. Uh, during the two years, Kongwu works hard to improve himself. He practices kendo and racquetball or squash and learns to swim. Past the time, he also began writing about his dating experiences with the girl on the internet as a means to cope. So he starts reading the real life or like playing out the real life parts mm -hmm. of the story. His stories gain so much notoriety that he is approached by movie producers to turn his letters into a movie. He is ecstatic because the girl's lifelong dream was to have one of her screenplays made into a film. He so desperately wants to share his, this news with her, but chooses to wait until they agree to meet. Two years... Oh, by the way. So when he presents the new script to that same A&R dude, this time she's like floating in midair. Yeah. Oh, man. These little visual kills, cues, man. Please watch this movie, you guys. Two years have passed, and on the agreed date, he travels to the tree on the mountaintop, but the girl does not show up. He comes day after day without opening the time capsule in hopes that she would appear, but she never does. Eventually, he opens the time capsule and reads her letter and learns the root of her angst and behavior. Kwonu reminds her of her previous boyfriend who, rather than breaking up with her, actually died before she met Kwonu. On the day they met on the train uh, platform, she was supposed to go on a blind date set up by, her, uh, by the mother of her deceased boyfriend with whom she kept a close bond. Because of her chance meeting with Kyonu, part of her feels that it was her ex that brought them two together and she develops guilt of falling in love with him. She needs time apart to heal and move on from her ex alone. So she decides to break up to do the mature thing to have to be alone from him, to have to grow up. Yeah. Right. And get through her past. And she starts explaining about why she's so obsessed with the future. Right. And this time capsule. And because she wants to move on from the past, but because she, she's stuck in the past. Yeah. That's beautiful. Where these are real human feelings that we feel, right? Because when, when we get hit with trauma, we're in a time machine. Mm -hmm. Every time we will replay this thing that happened 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And that's our time machine. Yeah. And so now, so that's why she's obsessed with the future. She wants to move she wants on. to move on really bad. And just in like perfect fashion, how they make everything into a fucking joke. Like <laughs> this tree that's so symbolic of their relationship, right? They see this old man. Right, it's kind of like up, right? Yeah. You think that he's gotten old. <laughs> you assume that that's Kyonu, but it's not. <laughs> it's just it's some old, random old guy. guy. <laughs> yo, when I saw, I'm like, yo, fuck this rider, dude. <laughs> they just had to add one more fucking joke. <laughs> when they did that part, I was like, yo, yo. this movie's genius, dude. Yeah. <laughs> they fucking set me up so bad for that. I was like, oh man, they didn't come oh back after two years. God. Like it's been like 80 years. <laughs> no, it was just another year. <laughs> just <laughs> like, one more yeah. year. Oh my gosh. So, um, let's see. Sometime later, the girl is on a train and the door closes right before a man tries to board. She has her back turned to him. She doesn't realize it's Konu who realizes it is her and chases the train down the platform to no avail. They fail to cross paths again. So between this time, it's implying that 
I mean, they live in the same city that they've crossed paths multiple times. Yeah. But that they were in that moment, like perhaps before they were never meant to be, which is why it was so chaotic. Yeah. And right now when they choose not to be together, that whatever fate decides is that they shouldn't be together. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great storytelling device. Yeah. So as it turns out, the girl is on her way to lunch with her deceased boyfriend's mother who has planned to in- introduce the girl to her nephew for a blind date. The nephew arrives and it turns out to be Konu. As it turns out, Konu is the boy that she had been trying to introduce to the girl for years. The mother offers reasons as to why they'd be great match for one another. But Konu and the girl are too busy gazing into each other's eyes. And the mother asks, do you know each other? And the camera pans out. They're holding hands under the table. Yeah. The end. A story of toxic relationships are beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And remember in the beginning of the film, he ditched that girl. Yeah. He fucking left her hanging dry because he didn't want to be set up by his fucking aunt. Right. And it turned out to be that girl. So they were already kind of destined to meet each other. It was her all along. Yeah. It was her all along, which is kind of nuts. And I was like, man, what a good way to tie up this rom-com. <laughs> it was really good. Like this, that was like, there's only a few rom-coms that I really liked. That's one. And then uh, 500 Days of Summer right. is another one that I really liked because it was very representative of like how um, when we're in a relationship, we don't like to see all the fallacies and the disasters when you're heartbroken. You can only remember the best parts because mm-hmm. you're so desperately wanting to be with this person. Right. But when you take a step back and you realize all the reasons why you guys uh, broke up, Mm-hmm. There's there's a reason why this happened. That's why I like 500. It, it was so relatable, mm-hmm. right? And then that 500 Days of Summer 2 was really quirky. I've never seen it. Never it's, seen it, it. You should watch see. it. It's really yeah. quirky too. There's like these moments where they break up into song and dance. It's odd. Zoe Deschanel and JJL, I believe. Is that it? That yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You'll like it. That it's, I, that's like one of the very few rom-coms that yeah. I really, really like. See, I'm not big into rom-coms, but this movie does it for me. Um, like Love Actually, I get it. <laughs> like I, I appreciate its factor um, but I, I feel like it feels the same um, because rom-coms are constantly playing with this thing with fate um, a lot of rom-coms kind of feel like a crash without the racism <laughs> it's yeah, about yeah. love <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. but um, this one plays it out really well where it's like it's coincidental but then if it is that unbelievable just make it fucking funny yeah you know and it, it did it really well yeah uh this was i i felt heavy about it because like about my shitty past relationships but it also helps me laugh at the pain that i went through yeah <laughs> like getting punched in the face they did just, it's weird too because if i read this script i would think that it would be it wouldn't do well because right. of how all over the place it is. in when you just read it on paper. Right. You know? But the way it kind of plays out, it's nothing how you would have ever expected, right? Right. It's like how I feel about uh, Scott Pilgrim Saves the Universe, right? Mm-hmm. If, Edgar Wright. Yeah. Edgar Wright. So yeah. if I would have seen that on paper, I'm like, no, this is the dumbest thing ever. But <laughs> Scott Pilgrim is one of my favorite films of all time. I fucking love that shit. I always watch it once a year. Yeah, yeah. that is one of my favorite. And in likes of Scott Pilgrim, I actually wrote a Korean drama series <laughs> <laughs> based on how on Edgar Wright's writing. Right. And then a little bit of how my sassy girl is. Right. So it's, it's those two are some of my two top favorite films. Like they they kind of mix in this weird like 
reality non reality thing. Yeah, yeah, where you play to the creativity of your imagination. Yes, you make it meta. Um, your imagination is part of the edit. Mm-hmm. Your imagination is part of the music, right? Like where, I mean, when you say five hundred days of summer, like yeah, your imagination comes to life in this yeah. crazy exaggerated way, and then it, you come back down there. Yeah, like I, I love those things too because we live that life being raised by television, right? Mm-hmm. In our daydreams, we're just also fucking too, flying. Those things that are very unreal. It's it's not represented in how we do things, but it's how we feel. You feel it, it's a pure representation. It's a physical representation of our emotions. Yeah, right. So when you see people breaking the song and dancing, it's ridiculous. That's how it feels. Let me <laughs> tell you this. I just remembered something, and it's a little embarrassing, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> the very first girlfriend that I got together, I, I chased this girl for a while, and I kind of like had my feelings at bay because all my friends liked her too. So I was like, ah, whatever. Yeah. Eventually, I said, fuck it. I'm leaving the school anyways. I'm just going to go ahead and. Uh, put myself out there and let's see if we're going to date. So finally she says yes, right? And yeah. I was shocked that she said, yeah, like, like let's, I, I want to be with you. I'll tell you something, dog. She, she lived like maybe like a 15 minute walk away from my house. <laughs> Bro, I was doing cartwheels and jumps and flips running all the way back home. <laughs> Going, yeah! <laughs> I'm talking about the most embarrassing thing ever, dude. Like I'm screaming. Like, so, so when I saw that whole thing, you know, when... He's like breaking into song and dance. I'm like, I actually did that. Yeah. <laughs> as a eight, as a fucking seventeen year old kid, Here I we go. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was like. So when I see that, I'm like, that's how people feel on the inside. Yeah. You know, it's like when somebody says like, uh, it's very uh, like kind of Willy Wonka ish. You know what I mean? Like, right. oh, I have butterflies in my stomach. You see butterflies pop out of your mouth. Right. Um, Amelie. Right. Yeah. Amelie. Almost. Yeah. Like that feeling. It's you can call this the Korean Amelie, the Korean. Edgar, right? Like it's so much, mm-hmm. so much of that that what you love about film packed into this. I think you'll find it here. That's why we love it. Yeah. Such a great film. But also, by the way, with this other, you know, every girl like that I've dated have resent has resented me. <laughs> <laughs> but I've also also like you know had a cordial like kind of friendship after too. Because yeah. even this girl too, that I talked about, you know, my sassy girl, where we broke up. I saw her a couple months ago. Oh, really? She was visiting LA. And we had dinner. And she's doing fine. She's great. We're grown up, (laughs) you know? And it's just like, you look back like, yeah, we were crazy kids. Yeah. She's she's a little more crazy, though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know her. (laughs) Socking somebody in the face. (laughs) You know. But yeah. um, I was not very nice to her when I met her, too. Yeah. (laughs) We'll 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 talk about that another time. (laughs) But yeah, um, I mean, I mean, in saying that, so much of craziness happens in this movie, right? And then they still do the adult things of having to break up because they need to be apart because they have to. Yeah. Even me and this girl, like, I had to fucking end this shit with her. And when it was getting bad, when it was just getting too toxic, because this is a movie about toxic relationships. Yeah. And they do the right thing. They split when they, <laughs> they know. They split. They grow up. They grow up. And then you know what? Fate brought them together. And me and this girl, we split. I had to fucking ghost her. I had to leave her out. Like, <laughs> it was rough. It was hard. And then I just saw her again for the first time in like six years. And you know what? I'm just grown up. Yeah. And there's peace behind it. And like, none of those weird feelings in the past or whatever doesn't come by. We're in the future now. Yeah. We are here in the present. And, you know, who she is today doesn't, is. You're a really different. good person. Like, once I leave somebody, you're, you're deleted. <laughs> 
<laughs> I never want to see you hey, again. Hey, though, but I also have my moment where, look, I look like this right now. I look homeless and crazy right now because I actually got dumped last September. Yeah. Uh, another girl. And so I haven't been taking care of my face. <laughs> but we agreed to call each other after a month. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been able to. Mm-hmm. Now, look, they gave each other two years. This girl gave me a month to get better. It's like, ah, but, that's not how it works. Like, yeah. A month is very short. Yeah. And so it's already fucking February. Yeah. So I'm kind of like trying to get my shit together still, I guess. And that's where I was kind of anxious about watching this movie where it was like, hmm, I'm going to, yeah, have to grow up and get my shit together to have to really want to talk to this person if I wanted this uh, this type of person again in my life right just yeah. like Hyuna did like there's so like we do everything because this girl is perfect for me but we don't do anything to be perfect for that the girl yeah <laughs> right put us in that place so. well you know what's interesting like when I when Mariel and I first started going out um you know she did this whole thing where I think uh she wanted to keep her options open right and mm-hmm. I think for her she'd like to play a lot of games you know in such the Korean girl fashion. Yes. You know, and so she, you know, she would always say these things when we first started going out. She goes, yeah, well, there's this other guy that I'm really interested in too because we were kind of just dating openly, right? Um, And at the time, I was kind of fooling around with one of your friends. (laughs) So so, um, she kept on mentioning this other dude, right? Yeah. She met through some fucking dating app, right? And I already told her explicitly at this point, like I was, I was like, this girl was just fun, right? And I was like, okay, listen, like I like you, like we're straightforward, like I, I really, really like you, you know. And but she kept on mentioning this other dude, so I literally told, her, I was like, you know what, I'm done. I was like, good luck. Mm. And she was like, what do you mean? I'm like, yo, like I, listen, I, I think you have something really confused. Like I don't know you, you don't know me. I don't owe you anything. You don't owe me anything. And what I said to her verbatim was, you have something very twisted right now. You. You think that I'm trying to figure out if I'm good for you. I'm trying to figure out if you're good for me. Ooh. Right? <laughs> I was like, so you go ahead and figure out what you're going to do. I told you how I feel. And when you're when you're when you're done, you let me know. And I hung up the phone. After I hung up the phone, I was like, she's gonna leave me. <laughs> I was like, why did you say this? I was like, oh God, you're so stupid. I was so mad at myself. I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? The last time you did this, your girl ghosted you and you fucking cried at her ankles, you dumbass. Yeah. You know, but it turned out it worked. It worked yeah. this time, right? Um, and the same way because this past girl gave me so much trauma with how crazy she was when I started dating someone else. I started behaving this way because of my trauma from this other girl. And then when she called me out, like, why are you being like this? And I would say, oh, this last girl. Nah, 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 nah. And she was like, stop. I am not that girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, obviously. Yeah. It's like, I'm not that person. Not everybody. No one's that person. She's her. She's like, I'm me. and Come mm. get to know me. I'm Eunice Kim. Yeah. <laughs> her name is Eunice. Oh, is she? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit. How can we get any better than that? Yeah. Right? Oh, okay. Well, that wraps up this episode. Oh, that's too fucking oh, funny, dude. My God. Oh, man. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. I hope you liked this review of number one, Korean culture, and also this film. 
uh, you guys have been enjoying this. Uh, I'll let you up. Clearly, I'm going to let you guys know on Instagram um, to watch this film beforehand before you watch this review because it's very telling and it'll help you guys understand what this film's about. Let me know if you guys have watched this, agree or disagree. You can find Ed at EdParkVP on Instagram. Uh-huh. And you remember uh, every Genius Brain every Thursday and Sundays. And we'll see you all next time. Peace. Peace.